Hey, just before we begin, I wanted to let you know that we have a free advent guide available on my website. And by that, I mean we have an enormous, gorgeous, free, giant ebook thing if you want it. So it's something to help us ground our days in hope and love this Christmas season. So if that's something you want, go to katebowler.com slash advent and it's all yours. Sometimes we don't know exactly where our lives will take us. Okay, most of the time. But we can sort of feel ourselves through. We just hear a bit of someone singing our heart's dumb song, and suddenly our feet pick up the pace. It's strange and incredible when we have that feeling. Or when other people know how to stir it in us. And, at least to me, that feeling always seems like a young self. The one kindled by a little bit of wonder. The one that thought, oh, what a great idea. I'd love to be curious. Or, I'm very, very interested now in this thing that my older self would have overlooked in favor of Instagram. So that's what I wondered if we could talk about today. That heart song feeling. And I just want to bring you back to a moment from my tiny baby self when I was absolutely in love with a television show host and musician named Fred Penner. Fred Penner is just Canadian gold. He had a television show, obviously called Fred Penner's Place, where he would show up in the woods and he would crawl through a log and behold, he was somewhere very interesting and he would sing songs with such gentleness on his guitar and it made you feel like you, tiny you, were being loved into something, sung into something, or someone. Even if it was very, very silly like his song, The Cat Came Back, which every Canadian child can sing, please quiz them on that. But what I didn't know was how much he was sung into being by some very tender moments in his childhood. He had a sister, Susie, living with Down syndrome, who loved music, and they loved it together. And when she died at 12 years old, that part of him wondered just where he was going to land. And then his dad died, whose alcohol dependency made all of this just so fraught and painful. And so, and so what, what do we do? when we want to stay soft and curious and kind. Fred Penner knows, and you are going to love him. For people who don't know perhaps that um, being a Penner is like being the Kevin Bacon of central Manitoba. (laughs) They're just, (laughs) I married a Penner, so already I immediately want to ask you about your your family connection. Mennonite culture has such an incredible association with music. I mean, I have always thought that they have made a pact with Satan in exchange for the gift of four-part harmony. (laughs) Yeah, Being musical, it sounds like, was a huge part of your family culture. Sure. And your, sounds like your sister Susie in particular understood the, understood music as the language of the heart. She certainly did that. I mean, my my parents 
were uh, were into a wide variety of music. My mother would play the uh, the organ. She she did, you know, mostly hymns that she would play, and my father loved uh, classical or you know orchestral music or and opera. You know, so I had this beautiful range of sound, and fortunately, my my ear was well tuned to harmonies. So when I started listening to to songs, you know, from my generation, the folk era in the '60s plus, I I could easily, instantly harmonize yeah. with what I heard, and and that, as you say, sell your soul to the devil for that value, <laughs> for that for that ability. My mom is. Uh was a music professor at the University of Manitoba. Oh, was she? And Karen Jensen, and has a lovely mezzo-soprano. And um, and when we were little, we always used to be brought in front of the class, my sister and I, to do these little demonstrations for <laughs> for music students. And we did a really good version of In the Bleak Midwinter, I would do the high part. Oh, but, I love that melody. <laughs> but the feeling like you could you know, someone would pick a key and then the magic would start is a feeling yeah. that you can get even when you're so young, like you're participating in this, like you flick the cord and it rings through the universe. Yeah, the uh, the, the power of, of music is is certainly not to be underestimated. One of the things that unifies this community is an inherent understanding of the fragility of life. And mm -hmm. some people age into that terrible education, and some people have it from when they are very young. And it sounds like your, your family's story with Susie was such an early education in love. and. And also, on, and feeling the threat of loss on the horizon. I wondered if you could tell me about that. Yeah, when, uh, when Susie was born, she <clears throat> she had a a severe uh, heart murmur. She was a, uh, called a blue baby because she had a hole in her heart that was, you know, so blood was not being pumped and and cleaned properly. And ultimately, uh, it was not operable. They they said. When she was born, that it, uh, they could try and fix this hole in the heart, but it would be a fifty-fifty chance whether she would survive. And my parents said, "No, that those odds aren't good enough for us. We will, we will keep her." And, and actually, they're, they're going back a little bit. When, when she was born, and and they 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 saw that she was Down syndrome, the doctors came to my parents and said, "Your child has Down syndrome." Do you want to keep her? You know, and knowing what that actually meant, you know, what, what they were saying, but do you want to keep her? What, what are you going to, you, you're going to, you know, throw, throw her in the, in the wastebasket? Are you, that, that, that statement has stuck with me all these years. It's, and they, they were quite upset with the doctors for even, even suggesting such a thing. Mm. But Susie, uh, because of the heart murmur, they, they said, well, she, the prognosis is that she will live uh, to puberty. You know, around 12 years old, once her body starts to go through the change, her, uh, her, her bodily organs will not be able to 
to grow accordingly because of the of the poor quality of her blood and because because it was not being purified it was it, it was thickening and uh and so they gave her digitalis which is a blood thinning agent and uh but but by the time it exactly what they said by the time she reached 12 years old then everything shut down and and she and she died we knew that that was inevitable but it was still you know the 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 shock when it happened you know and and i you know i i can pinpoint the moment that i found out and what my body went through feeling that i was working for the city of winnipeg cutting the boulevards you know cleaning the grass in spring in springtime and and a police car pulls up to me i know immediately i start thinking what what have i done you know did i did i you know i i go through my my thoughts of have have I crossed the the line somewhere and the police are coming to take me away? And then these two policemen came up and told me that Susie had died. And I remember and and I've heard this from other people when they hear news of losing a loved one, you collapse. And and my, and my legs gave away, and I and I dropped I dropped to the ground. And then they, uh, they, they, they took me home and then, you know, then the process of, of dealing with, with this as a family, uh, began. Yes. To lose your dad and your sister in the same year. I imagine it was just, a a leveling, like all the landmarks are gone. Yeah. I mean, dad, dad was alcoholic, uh, as well. And, and he was ailing for for many, many, many years, you know, so it, that, you know, also was, you know, was expected. There's a lovely phrase, uh, anticipatory grief, that someone gave me about the, the feeling like you've pre, when you pre-know the ending, like that somebody, that someone will die young, or that somebody is, you know, because of alcoholism or a disease or something, will that there's there's finitude there. Mm. Does it feel? Do you think it felt like you you had to have pre worked through those feelings before it happened, or did you, or did it still feel like when it finally did, like you you know you you couldn't have known at all. You couldn't have pre worked any of those feelings. I don't think you can ever truly prepare for what for what you will feel when when a loved one dies you know and and, and for me at you know at, at 70 76 years old almost i'm 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 closer to death than i than i am at anything else i i hope to be around for who knows how much longer but i i don't fear death i really have have no regrets in my in my life i mean things that i may have done differently along the way but it's i've i i've done the best i could with what i was given yes what a lovely thing to say fred that's a rare <laughs> that sounds like a man who's really really tried then yeah yes i love that when you dove into this new vocation released from the tell me where you tell me what your bachelor was in again economics economics 
And you yeah. decided music was the call of your heart. You had some wonderful musical experimentation and some absolute. So tell me, what genre did you pick? Tell me about the hilarity. You <laughs> you you went right for cornstalk too. Just I want to hear all about it. It was clear in my brain that I did not want to be an economist, uh, but I I was not a great student. I didn't, you know, I didn't know what I could possibly do in this world. Yeah. You know, being a, a, an economist with Central Mortgage and Housing Corporation <laughs> just didn't seem to be the uh, the path that made the most sense for me. You know, I, I was at li- literally a, a, a immortality crossroads of, of my life, you know. I, I f- remember feeling that I need to find what my bliss is. What is it that, that makes me feel like I have have something to offer to other other people in this world and uh and music was the only thing that I had ever done that that I remember having having that value you know the the choirs that I'd sung in the the uh the folk groups that I'd been part of in my high school years uh at, at university so it was okay music is certainly important to me how do I do this well I play guitar. I I auditioned for a couple of lounges and bars in Winnipeg. The the Can Can Lounge at the Balmore Hotel that still exists, by the way. Amazing. Uh, I uh, I I played there for twenty five dollars a night in you know Amazing. in in nineteen seventy two or something. I was just so enamored. Enamored is not the word, but uh, overwhelmed that I could. Uh, that I could get up on a stage, just interact with an audience, play some songs that that I learned that that were important to me for whatever reason, and the audience would respond. I thought that has got to be the the most beautiful and purest form of expression possible, and uh, and away I went. <laughs> and away you went. That's exactly right. When Al Simmons, the leader of Cornstalk, came into my life. Uh, actually, a second time we we had been in air cadets together in our teen years. Nice. And then uh, then I called him up and and we and we talked and I was looking for for a path. And so we we started uh, we started working together and and completed our band with Mike Klim, formerly of the D Drifters, who mm-hmm. was a, a Ukrainian band that that toured with the Rosalka Dancers in Winnipeg. Uh, and with Bob King, the uh, the infamous Bob King, who wrote Sandwiches <laughs> and, uh, you know, the second most requested song. Fred, well, I'm, I'm so sorry to do this to you. <laughs> Would you mind, for those of us not yet blessed with the song Sandwiches, just giving me a sense of what that song is? I won't be mad if you sing. Because sandwiches are beautiful. <laughs> sandwiches are fine. I love sandwiches. Yeah, sandwiches are beautiful. Sandwiches are fine. I love sandwiches. I eat them all the time. Yes. I eat them for my supper. And I eat them for my lunch. <laughs> if I had a hundred sandwiches. I'd eat them all at once. There you go. Okay. <laughs> and how good are you? It's a duo. It's a duet. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. Fred! How how is it that you are so good at that? You, um, it's not just that you wanted to play music; you wanted to 
pull is like you wanted to weave everybody into it at the same time. What what made you immediately want to experiment and play around with participatory song? Uh, well, th- that that was the key of folk music. I mean, just about every song that uh, that that happened when I was, you know, in in my first prime in the '60s. All, all the songs were learn the chorus, learn the chorus, learn the chorus, learn the verse, sing, you know, get ready, get ready to sing the chorus. <laughs> oh, I can't, you know, and, and here it comes, here it comes, you know, it's just around the corner, and then, yeah. and then you just you just fill the air with that with that music, and it's so for for me, it was so inspiring. I I I love that opportunity to raise my voice with other people, mm. you know, in, in a group. So, so when I did, you know, those early lounge dates, that's what it was all about. It was those songs that I brought to the table. Yes. So, so with, with Cornstalk, we did, you know, the participatory songs, but it was, it was deeper than that because it was, we were an improv group basically. Yeah. And we, and we'd get on stage and we would start, playing in in the in the purest form yeah. of the word yeah. with the audience and and because al was was such a a comic genius is a comic genius and still and still at it you know the 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 music grew to that other level of of comedy as well as the participation you know so it it was uh it was four years with with those fellows of of really fascinating experiences, and you know, and and, uh, and playing again with with audiences on on a different different dimension. But but ultimately, it um, it wasn't satisfying for me. Hmm. You know, yeah. I because because it was crazy, 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 uh-huh. crazy, 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 <laughs> and crazy. And let's have a little more. How about some more crazy? Let's uh-huh. go. Let's go wacko on this one. Let's just go as far as we can yeah. in that direction we we did a 10 minute sesame street sketch you know in the bars and that was that was the most that was beautiful beautiful yeah. journey but what i was still craving mm-hmm. in me were songs that that got deeper that that mm-hmm. really energized an audience that made them think for a moment that weren't just f- fluff and fun yeah but but had some had that had substance. Yeah. So when I started writing, writing my own songs, it was, you know, tunes that that always went a, a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. That weren't you know the 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 example that I often, you know, bring when I when I get into this level of conversation, is the song called Collections. Mm. As many of my songs did, they it, a similar sort of thematic path. Where, where collections is a universal topic because everybody has a, a collection of one thing or another. So with collections, the first collection is rocks and shells and bottle caps, a bottle of foil or string. They didn't cost a penny and I felt just like a king, mm-hmm. you know, be, because those are things you can you find anywhere in there. Oh, look at that one. Look at this one. Oh, that's mm-hmm. look at the shape of that. You know, you mm-hmm. feel that one. And then the second level is stamps and coins and stickers stories poems and songs that open my imagination yeah. to thoughts that make me strong yeah you know so there there from from simple to 
oh, now this is what collections can do. They can yes. go, Soulful. they can go into your into your spirit. Oh, that's and lovely. then and then the third yeah. verse was, I can't show you the collection that means the most to me, yeah. because it's hidden deep inside where nobody can see. It comes from those who care for you. This collection has its start with the memories and the feelings and the pictures in your heart. Mm. I mean that that poetry yeah. is is so strong for me, and that path yeah. of you know one two and there's yeah. the payoff, and then yeah, and then the punch, <clears throat> and then the heart punch. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah. I, and many of my songs are are this are a, a similar kind of direction. You know, proud is like that. Uh, uh, courage is like that. There, there. I mean, dozens yeah. go try to go deep yes. into you know into that hitting the hitting the spirit, hitting the soul of the listener, and it's as much to the adult as it is to the child. You know, after college, I worked with kids for a bit, and I think that was my favorite. You know, I think I'd finished some like philosophy degree, and I'd had, I'd had many existential thoughts. And it turns out that working with kids is shockingly soulful because they will tell you exactly what they fear. They will tell you exactly what they love. They will worry with you. They will very much want to tell you their secrets. Yeah. It's almost like you just learn to live right side out again. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of putting yeah. all the good stuff on the inside where it's hidden, as you were describing. Yeah, that's that's one of the interesting perspectives on childhood i mean it's and it's defined children's personality is formed by the time they're five six years old but if you if you are able to go into into the perspective that a child has it is pure it is honest it is absolutely the most beautiful thing in the world to hear the perspectives that that come from a child and the and the tragedy of the whole thing is that the child ultimately has to assimilate into being an adult. Yes, that's right. That's how horrible. I totally agree. <laughs> and, and you're suddenly in this world yeah. of of complexity and and how how do you make a living and how do you how do you how do you find someone that that loves you and that you want to love? How do you do how do you do that with with real with real honesty and you know, and and breaking down the barriers, and uh, and being the the kind of pure spirit that you were as a child. You had an amazing hit television show, Fred Penner's Place. You did nine hundred episodes and. Uh, I'm sure you get fan mail every second of every day about it. But there, there is a really distinct thing that you know how to do that I wish we all knew how to do, which is the, the simple and kind and direct way that you know how to speak to kids and the, the kid in our hearts. What are your, mm. I don't know how to say it this way, but like what almost like disciplines of speech did you start to take on in, in, in 900 episodes of learning to talk this way. Yeah, the the Fred Penner experience was Fred Penner's place experience was was the best thing that could ever have happened for me because it it 
it allowed me back to the word of play. It allowed me to to just yeah. just be there and to play on again a fundamental level. The 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 initial scripts that we did, the first season. Oh golly, I think we did sixty episodes in three months. <laughs> no, you no. know, you're like I slept on it. How is that even possible? <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> Uh, the, the and the way that worked was there. There were a number of writers who put a script together, and these were all fifteens at the beginning, and uh, and, and they would have uh, you know very specific things, lines to to say. But I could never do that. There's no way that I could memorize that. So I I played. I didn't follow strict lines until until the the last you know few seasons when when the scripts were were written in a different manner. And the critical thing for for me in in all the Fred Penner's place world was knowing that that camera was going to one child. I was not talking to, who knows, I mean, hundreds of thousands of, of people all over North America because it aired in the States for many years. But the the attitude for me, when I was talking, when I was sharing whatever i was sharing whether whether it was the simplest simplest little thing or 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 a big song it was looking at that camera as if that was one child i was communicating with and and, and that allowed my energy to you know to come down so that it's it's not like i'm projecting to a you know to a big audience no and that and that that made a huge, huge difference in, in, I think, my ability to communicate. Looking back, what were the great themes of your show, do you think? It's, it's imagination, it's sharing, it's communication, it's understanding, it's compassion, it's uh, respecting yourself, it's, it's being a good person, it's opening up to the world around you, it's discovery, it's all of the values that we appreciate in a, in our humanity and uh and and just taking them down to you know so, so sometimes the simplest perspective you know yeah. the, the easiest little thing i mean they, they, there were there were some some really beautiful beautiful moments in the course of the show that uh that were were heartfelt and you know to the point of tears and some of them were you know it, it was uh it was just at a, a absolutely awesome creative journey for me to you know to write songs about these topics do you have a favorite i'd love to hear it i mean i mean the the first one that sort of sort of pops in uh is is about discovery uh-huh. what are we going to search for what are we going to find open up your eyes don't leave anything behind we'll know it when we see it and we'll see it when we try to discover and identify. <laughs> to discover and identify. You know? Oh my gosh, so, man. You, are bringing, <laughs> you are bringing me back. I have been a devoted, uh, <laughs> devoted fan forever and ever. I watched right, your show with my sister all the time. And so just picture... Tiny cross-legged me, just glued, just mm. developing vision problems. I'm sure I was two inches away from the television screen, just <laughs> mooning, <laughs> mooning at you all. It's a, it's a beautiful kind of thing to feel 
um, loved through the screen when you're at such a tender little age and mm. you've been that person. You've really been that person to just a whole generation of kids who felt like you made the world very gentle and very, yeah, open to them to discover what a gift you are. <laughs> well, that, I, that's so kind of you to say that. I, you know, because I never knew, <clears throat> I never knew where any of this would go. Obviously, and and all I could do was present what I was thinking and feeling again to the best of my. I did the best I could with what yeah. I had, yeah. you know, to the the best of my ability to do that. Essentially, what we do, what I do on on a stage is create a dialogue and the dialogue is between me and the child between me and the caregiver adult yeah and then ultimately between the caregiver and the child so it's it's a triangle you know and we'll you know and it's it's that pure in my mind that's all that's all that this is about creating an idea a story a song and, and then on on the way home listening to it in the car talking about it what was your favorite part of the show oh i love the cat came back okay great you know there but but it's that that sensation that i and i and i i felt this after every performance i feel like i have gained something from the audience you know that's that uh, there 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 may have been a a special needs child you know in in the autograph line uh that that touched me as Susie did, you know, there's always something that happens in the course of a show that I can take away with me that, yeah, that was good. I enjoyed, I learned, I shared, you know, it, it it's not, I, I never get tired of singing The Cat Came Back. I never get tired of singing Sandwiches, you know. Yes, and I you don't know. ever get tired of hearing them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Fred, what a gift. Thank you so much for doing this with me today. This was a lovely conversation. I really appreciate speaking with you. You're a gem and what you're doing is really oh, thank is really you. important. Look, you might not be feeling exactly primed for wonder at this moment. The world has a way of just squeezing it out of us in heartache in busyness, in just sheer adulthood? Is there poetry in taxes? Not really. So I thought maybe we could bless that part of you that needs to wake up to wonder again, especially if it's hard. How about that? Okay. I stand stone still at the edge of disheartenment. I have nothing but this certainty. Nothing changes, nothing lasts. I feel hollow. God, this world you made is full. Warm earth pushing up new seedlings, unfathomable oceans teeming with mystery, and the miracle that our clay bodies bear even the possibility of creating new life. We are all swimming in wonder, so God, why can't I feel it? I feel my own blood turning cold with each tiring loss. Good things, beautiful things, pride from my fingers, 
make them seem empty to me now. Still. Even if, today, I am sure that hope is not knocking at my door, let the lights at the neighbor's house glow like a jack-o'-lantern. Let the sounds wafting through the window, someone's barking dog and kids running amok, the buzz of someone's television rehearsing the day's calamities, remind me that we persist somehow under a distant shadow, but happy anyway. Let the sun come down the sky and touch me, and I will walk out to greet it, feeling the low murmur of the ground beneath my feet. And as the earth makes its creaky turns toward night, let the day fall in behind us. What's next, we will say to the night sky, before we close the door and consider its answer tomorrow. Bless you, my loves. May this be a wondrous day. Hi, this is Brendan from uh, St. Louis, and I'm responding to the question uh, from Instagram about, uh, you know, what song or what music um, makes you think about your childhood or, you know, seasons of life being different and all that. And uh, I'd have to say it's uh, Riders on the Storm by The Doors. I still love The Doors to this day, and I've become, uh, you know, a musician on the side and and i still love to play the doors music both to listen to it and to play it on guitar so listening to that takes me back to a place where you know things seemed like they were simpler less stressful rainy days and and just hanging out with my dad and my parents so thank you for taking the time to listen to this hi kate this is laura calling from nashville tennessee apparently when i was really really little one of my favorite songs um to have them play on the jukebox at the place where we would go eat pizza was um, Shake Your Booty. Hi, my name is Trish Deborah calling from Steele, North Dakota, and I immediately thought of uh, Joyride by Roxette. Hello, you fool. I love you. Come on, come on, Joyride. I loved that song. My sister hated it, but whenever we were watching MTV, I wouldn't let her change it. <laughs> Because loved it, loved it. Even today, when it comes across my Spotify, I jam out like nobody's business. Very fun. Thanks for the question. A really special thank you to our generous partners who make this work possible. Lily Endowment, the Duke Endowment, Duke Divinity School, and Leadership Education. And to my wonderful team, Jessica Ritchie, Harriet Putman, Gwen Higginbotham, Brenda Thompson, Keith Weston, Jeb, and Sammy. Thank you. And I would love to hear what you thought about this episode. Would you do me a favor and leave a review on Apple Podcasts? It really, really means a lot to us when we get to hear what we do well and also might even do better. You can also leave us a voicemail and who knows, we might even be able to use your voice on the air. Call us at 919-322-8731. All right, lovelies, I'll talk to you next week. But in the meantime, come find me online at Kate C. Bowler. This is Everything Happens with me, Kate Bowler. <laughs>